0: Fighting Spirit for Things of Beauty. Hi, I'm Julie White, and welcome back to the final episode in the series entitled A Journey with Trauma, Bringing Light to Shadow. Okay, so now we're in the present, which is my 60s. And rather than start with a quote, I actually shared what my tattoo states on my arm. Fighting Spirit for Things of Beauty. I turned 60 years old, and I experienced this incredible need to get a tattoo. Now, remember, my lion carries with it a fear of something bad happening physically. So to get a tattoo, I'd have to face my lion once again. The day before my appointment, I wasn't feeling well, and so I thought, here's my out. Here's my opportunity to cancel the appointment. But again, that push. So the next day, I went. My husband and my daughter and most of my friends didn't know that it was my intent to go get a tattoo, I arrived at my appointment and I was given the waiver that I think everyone gets uh, and needs to review and sign before getting their tattoo. Of course, my alarm went off in my brain. I probably sat there for 40 minutes thinking, okay, I'll be the person to have every bad thing happen that's been listed on the waiver. Yep, I'll have everything. But what came to me after that period of fretting was some connecting of the dots. I remembered that the two or three times in my life where I felt emotionally overwhelmed, they were also the times that had the most incredible impact on defining who I was. So the first event, of course, was the lived event of being run over by the motorboat. I had described before how I just had to get in the water. I just had that push. But the trauma that followed placed me on this incredible path of helping others with their trauma. The second overwhelming time was when I felt the same urgency to complete my PhD. And that meant going over to England. Doing so was frightening and challenging because I didn't want to leave my daughter for the residency requirements, even though I knew she was in the loving, protective arms of her dad and our family. But again, I experienced some of the best teachings during my time studying away. My advisors set challenges in a way that were unexpected and at times pushed me to question whether I wanted to continue. And then, of course, there was the restriction, as I mentioned, on the title doctor. But I've honored that experience because I was catapulted into advocacy. So the experiences that I held as having such challenges also illuminated, again, the gifts that I value, which include being determined or persevering or being resilient. So in remembering those two live events in particular, I recognized that this same push to get the tattoo was going to have meaning for me, and I signed the waiver. That push was there like wind behind me. And I had searched everywhere for just the right symbol to capture those gifts that I just mentioned. I felt that finding the symbols that would do that would anchor aspects of my being and that that was critical for the remainder of my life. And I found them. They are Chinese characters, meaning fighting spirit. It doesn't mean someone who's fighting with anger, but it's about being resilient, about picking self up. The characters captured how I viewed my lived events. And so I had the characters placed on my arm. And then below them, a little flower, which would represent beauty. So fighting spirit for things of beauty. Now, I was so nervous during the process, I didn't watch the young apprentice who was doing the work complete her task. So she actually made a flower that was not the one that I wanted but I thought, well, there's going to be some meaning in that. And sure enough, it later did reveal itself to me. After that tattoo, I did develop a rash on my arm, but it was not linked to the tattoo itself. I think I had a sun rash, but I was feeling a bit blue as my arm was inflamed and itchy, and I was just laying resting. And I glanced over to my tattoo, which was barely visible through the rash, and I could see the little flower and I burst out laughing, because it was so not the one I wanted, but obviously was the one I was meant to have. It's a talisman, and the tattoo is my forever reminder of the need to keep fighting, fighting for light, even when I'm exhausted. So then, of course, shadow needed to make its presence known, and it did, in my beloved work with my Indigenous clients, The main service provider that funds the services of myself and others ran into some difficulties. I've been a service provider with them for roughly 20 years, but suddenly in the last year or so, something happened. We moved into a rough patch, and this patch manifested in delayed payment to service providers. Months and months would pass without payment, making it almost impossible to maintain a practice or paying bills. I remain extremely humble here, as I am mindful that I know there are those who are without work and are struggling to find employment. And I recognize how blessed I was to still have a provider who was allowing me to do what I love to do. However, it was being eclipsed by my not knowing how I would be able to do that without any payments coming forward. It became an issue, a principle again and I was not fully understanding why this was occurring. So once again, I responded to that internal call to advocate and to do so not only for myself, but for some of the young clinicians with whom I'd become familiar and who I was supporting in their beginning practices. After 20 years of what I saw as light working with this particular system had shadow come to balance it. It pulled everything in me to not give up especially with not knowing when the next payment would be. During that period, I felt powerless and devalued. I chose to not stop my practice because I felt it was unfair to the clients whom I served, because this issue was happening systemically. So the meaning behind my tattoo came to bear, fighting spirit for things of beauty. And the thing of beauty was providing space for my clients where there could be healing The fighting spirit was to do something about it. I wrote countless emails. I requested community support which was offered and to which I'm eternally grateful. I made phone calls and eventually change occurred. Now I'm certain I wasn't the catalyst for the systemic change but again it was important for me to give voice. The changes have allowed for those of us who really love what we do to continue. For many of us, we are responding to a call. It's a calling to do what we feel is so important and it's part of our self-definition. But often we need to work within systems and at times those systems don't respond in kind. I'm grateful that the changes have occurred and I'm back to being able to provide the support and help that I hope is of benefit to the people with whom I work. And then again, shadow struck COVID-19 and the pandemic. There are times I struggle to find light within this world event. From a trauma perspective, this can be a new trauma, and for many of us, trigger previously rooted ones. I have a friend whose grandson was so terrified for a while that any form of touch resulted in a panic response. His alarm had gone off for probably the first time in his life touch had become something to be avoided. Something bad could happen. I think of my parents and their generation, of what they faced and endured, and then I thought again of my mom and how frightening her time at the tuberculosis clinic was to her, plus the war. But for my generation and my daughter's generation, this is new. I thought, okay, initially this is going to be like previous virus scares. We need to be mindful, but it will be contained. The shock and disbelief followed when the world struggled with the efforts to contain it and continue to struggle. So I have to look deep to see where I could find light in this. I not only search for it, but I also ask my clients, with whom I now hold telephone sessions, what light they were able to honor it throughout this. Eventually, for me, the light that I saw was it illuminated the gift of humility. I had thought in no way would our world face what it was now facing, so it reminded me to remain humble to the things that are bigger and may be bigger than us. And then gratitude, my favorite. Overall, I see myself as a pretty grateful person, Every night, just before I fall asleep in a couple of my nighttime rituals, I say goodnight to all the people whom I've known in my life who have passed on. And I do so as each name comes to me, I can see them in my mind's eye, And then I give gratitude. I'm grateful for the things that are happening in my world and, again, of surviving extreme battles with shadow. But I'm finding I'm going to have to even go deeper in my gratitude For things that I'd taken for granted, like going to get myself a cupcake at a local bakery or for my hairstylist, it reminded me how quickly things can enter the realm of being taken for granted. Just getting into my car and doing a road trip. My clients have said similar things. They have talked also of the teachings of humility, of love, and then another full circle occurred in being human, at the time of the pandemic, we're going to experience the fear, the worry, the uncertainty, and yet it's so very important that we also recognize its gifts. I know, like so many, again, we have felt frustrated and blue, and we can show signs of being out of balance, but I think, again, that way of Honoring those things of light, of gratitude, can help bring a little bit of balance to it. But I was reminded how we can be out of balance by an event that occurred. I think it was early in the pandemic, and I was upstairs in my bedroom, and I heard an individual outside who was in his truck. He was clearly angry, and he was swearing. He was using every profanity imaginable with his window rolled down. I was very aware that he was doing this in front of a home where I knew two little children resided. I became furious. There's the fighting spirit. It presented itself. So I ran down the stairs, opened my door, pretended I was rifling through my mailbox, but all the while glaring at him, hoping that my shaming look would provide him a teaching and he would somehow again control himself and behave better to my staff my ideal. I ran back upstairs. It didn't happen. He carried on outside, so I ran back down, opened the door, and at this point he put his foot on the gas and sped away, going from probably zero to 70, and I yelled at the top of my lung, idiot. Oh my. I came back into the home and immediately wasn't happy with myself, because what happened in my mind was I joined him in what I felt was his shadow. I behaved no differently. I didn't like that. And then a memory popped into my mind. When I was presenting my workshop of Balancing Light and Shadow, a framework for wellness, I was talking about the micro-macro perspective of how I define shadow. And it was after I spoke of both that a gentleman put up his hand, and because it was a pretty informal setting, I asked him what was his question, and he asked, well, you know, if if shadow can come to people trying to walk in light, why don't you go to the dark side? <laughs> well, everyone started to giggle, as did I, and then I asked him for a few moments to ponder it. He said, sure. And after a few minutes, I said, you know, that does make sense, right? I could argue that I know individuals who seem to do things that I define as hurtful or maybe malintended, and yet they seem to have a lot of light swirling around them. So perhaps I should go to the dark side, I said facetiously. And then I added, but I can't. And I said, do you remember that when I go to my shadow, I'm aware I'm there and I don't like it so I can't stay there. He nodded in understanding. And another time I was eclipsed and had pulled into shadow, I was driving through a local coffee drive-in. And as I approached, I put in my request and there was this cheerful lilt on the other side of the the area where I put in my order. And uh, she gave me the price of my coffee. And I remember thinking, oh, gee, that's steep. Now remember, I'd been having a lot of shadow kind of hit me, so I was, without being mindful of it, becoming a bit eclipsed by it. And as I pulled up to the window, it was a warm day. The window opened, and there was a young girl, maybe 16, the wind blowing in her hair, and she said, "'Isn't it a glorious day?' I thought my head was going to rotate around. I, I garbled something out like, "'Yes,' And then she went and got me my coffee and gave it to me. And she said, I hope you have a delightful rest of the day. And I mumbled, thank you, and drove away. And then I, as I was leaving the drive-through, I put my foot on the brake and I looked up to the universe and I said, okay, I got it. Here I had been given this wonderful gift of light. And what did I do? (sighs) I eclipsed it and devalued it. So again, I am aware of when I'm in that space. And I I don't like it. And so I need to pull myself back out. Also, after my shouting at the gentleman, another memory came to me. And it was when I was a little girl living in our apartment above the little grocery store. I was an innocent. I was a caregiver of frogs that I collected at our camp, dogs if I found a stray and anything I could find that needed nurturing. My values were clear and simple. And from that, my vision for my future became clear. It was to return to that simple space. Yes, I'm a fighter and a warrior, but my action of shaming someone into behaving better made me feel that, again, as I've mentioned, that I was joining him in a space of shadow. So the gift of the experience was to see how I can fight, but in a way that didn't place me in that position. Bring me back to some of those initial clear and simple values. Maybe my fight will be my ongoing pursuit to find spaces that continue to fit best for me, or by continuing to champion others with their dance of shadow and of being kind, having grace, and taking care of those whom I love. And finally, continuing to honor what I named before as my we energy, as I think of another, even by wearing a mask or thinking of collective healing. Light definitely came through in a major way in the summer during the pandemic. It was my daughter's macro-wedding. It was not the wedding that she had hoped for in terms of family and friends. It met all the guidelines in the province at the time where she was living. We were extremely vigilant. It was outdoors, and there were just a few of us present. But it was truly a beacon of light through some very dark times. It was about love, joy, family. But when we came home from that wonderful light event we faced one of the biggest losses that I've had in a number of years. Profound shadow for me. And it was the sudden and unexpected passing of my little dog, Bella. She was a member of this family for 12 years. Again, it filled all the criteria for what I define as trauma. I didn't see it coming. I was playing ball with her at 8 p.m. and 12 noon the next day I was saying goodbye. I was profoundly powerless through it and it changed my world and continues to have impact. It happened in the blink of an eye. My husband shared something that brought some comfort to this profoundly painful loss. He said that always when a family or an individual gets a pet, that a contract is made and formed. And the contract held or holds that the owner-caregiver would do just that, would consistently and without waiver provide care and love. The pet, in return, would provide companionship, unbounding devotion, and loyalty and love. And at the end, we could reflect and see the contract was profoundly filled between Bella and my husband and I. I often thought that due to my trauma and my lion bringing in themes surrounding death, that it was death that I had a difficult time with, I realized it's not so much the death. It's the love and my heart breaking. In the fall, light appeared again, and it stemmed from none other, the election results in the United States. And again, this is shared with respect for all political views, but the change in leadership reflected, as I've mentioned before, value systems and these new ones were more aligned to the values that I honor. I felt it created a better space, and so it did leave me with a sense of hope and of change. The circularity between light and dark is happening all the time, and so this podcast again comes as my contribution to light. These episodes capture just the proverbial tip of an iceberg with my dance between light and shadow. I actually had two other life-threatening events and regular health scares, along with countless experience of shock, powerlessness, and or woundings. But I found that the strategies I've shared always return to help me move forward, to help me cope, to hang on, and finally to grow. I've had my times of light eclipsed by the shadow, but the light that was experienced was too huge, too bright for a total eclipse. Before wrapping up, I wanted to reference the series Game of Thrones as its finale held such meaning for me. For many who watched the series, the ending, I understand, came as a disappointment, but for me, it encapsulated how navigating shadow can pull us in different directions. And again, this is me making meaning for me. Others will undoubtedly have different interpretations, but here I go. For one central character, Daenerys, her constant relentless experiencing of profound shadow, shadow from many excruciating losses, resulted, I think, in her losing herself to the shadow. Her pain ultimately turned outward and was projected to innocence. The other character, the much beloved Jon Snow, was banished to the wall, which I feel is a symbol of the reality of life where hardships and challenges live. But his response to the same intense shadow experienced by Daenerys was to remain with purpose. His authentic self, his self definition, was entwined with his purpose. To help those in need, who in the series were the Wallings. Whereas one lost herself to her shadow, the other let it illuminate his purpose. It once again reminded me of where I am meant to be and in whose company, and how I will navigate the wall by continuing to try to bring light to shadow. It's my hope that even if one person listening to the podcast becomes trauma-informed or develops a framework that helps them create balance, then I'm thrilled. This path isn't the easiest. I remember years when I was working again with Nancy Black, I was raging that day about how challenging it is to live with mindfulness. And I remember it as if it were yesterday, Nancy was rocking in this antique. Blue rocking chair that we had, and she was just listening to my rant. And I said, Truly, you know, this is, I didn't ask for this. This is too difficult a walk to live with this kind of awareness and mindfulness. And finally, she just looked up and she said, Yeah, but you can't be any other way. (laughs) My hope is that I'll be able to continue the podcast series sometime in the future with guests and friends whom I know who have faced shadow and trauma head on and brought their own unique light to it. And so my hope is that these future episodes will capture their stories of how light emerged to bring balance when shadow touched their lives. I'd like to thank everyone who's joined in. I'd like to thank all the sources of guidance that have contributed to this. Just a second ago, I glanced at my fighting spirit symbol and my wonky little flower and I smiled and I'm anchored once again. Thank you again for listening and take care.